You are listening to the podcasts of Cedar Hills Community Church in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Okay, uh, I brought a little friend with me here today. Um, This is Moses, and he's been a part of our family since about 5 o'clock on Friday. Um, He's a seven-week-old silver lab, and uh, I brought him for a very specific reason to use as an illustration, which is coming at the very end of the sermon. So if you want to know why I brought Moses here for you to see, you're going to have to stay tuned in until the very end, okay? Enough of a teaser? All right, not just the cuteness factor. There's a good reason for us to have him here. So we're going to go into the book of Ephesians again today, continuing our series on identity and what it means to belong in Christ and how that shapes us as people. We're in Ephesians chapter 3 today. So if you've got your Bible, open that up. And it'd be great for you to keep your Bible open. I'm going to read the last paragraph, the the closing prayer in this chapter, but we're actually going to go backward and then look at the first uh, few verses in this chapter as well. Ephesians chapter 3, I'm going to start reading with verse 14. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is God's word and it's true and we can rely on it. Now Mary and I love uh, puppies, but another thing we love is mysteries. Um, Agatha Christie's Hercule Perrault or Arthur Conan Doyle's Sherlock Holmes or G.K. Chesterton's Father Brown are some of our favorites. And we've noticed in these classic mysteries, there's a certain pattern that gets followed almost every time. And here's the pattern. It is usually set with a very small cast, a little ensemble of characters who have been brought together because of some tragic death. And that death usually involves an inheritance. After you start to unravel the clues of the mystery, we discover that every one of the characters in the ensemble has means, motive, and opportunity to actually have done the murder themselves. And so the rest of the story unfolds as we meet each character one after another. And after you meet each character and look at the clues, you think, well, that's the one who did it. Until pretty soon you're convinced they all have done it and you have to really unravel. At that moment, the master detective steps in takes all of the clues in total and reveals the true killer. And the mystery is solved and the case is closed. Now I'm bringing up mysteries because the word mystery runs throughout Ephesians chapter 3. It wasn't in the paragraph I read you, but now jump up to the beginning of the book, Ephesians chapter 3, and Paul says that he has come for the express purpose of making known a mystery. This is in verse 3. 
He wants to reveal this. He wants to unravel it. And that it's a mystery, we see in the next verse, about Jesus. So the thing he wants to unravel is some deeper understanding of Jesus and what Jesus has come to do. And then he talks about how this mystery has been hidden throughout all ages in verse 9. But now the mystery has been revealed. Paul says, if you listen carefully, you will be able to solve the mystery. Are you intrigued? Would you like to know this mystery? Now, the mystery of which Paul speaks about here actually departs from the standard classic pattern in several ways. First of all, at the heart of the story, it's not something tragic. This is not about a murder. The mystery that Paul's talking about is about a gift, not a tragedy, a gift. It's also about an inheritance that's coming, and in the typical mystery, the heirs are usually like squabbling over the, over the inheritance. There's like this fight about who's going to get it or who's going to get the lion's share of it. And that's usually what is the key motive behind the murder. But the idea that um, Paul introduces in this passage is that there's an inheritance you don't have to fight over because the inheritance is so abundant that it's for everyone. Anybody can dip into this inheritance. God's giving it away to everyone. Actually, as you read through that first paragraph in Ephesians chapter 3, you see that God has actually written into His will a whole new group of heirs, people who are all eligible to receive this inheritance. And this group, which was once very limited, has now become very large. And so this is another little variation from the classic um, mystery Usually there's a really small cast of characters in these mysteries. This, the cast of characters in this mystery is huge. It's, it actually becomes the entire world. All people are part of this cast. They're all becoming rightful heirs. Those who were once out, who were excluded, who were not part of the inheritance, are now in. They belong. Those who were once far off have been brought near. They belong. This is the mystery that we have to unravel. And the first mystery is, I'm going to look at it this way, the mystery of belonging. Can we unravel this mystery of how God can open up His will so that anybody can get the inheritance? How can we belong? What's the mystery here? And to help this, I'm going to introduce one more clue, and that's from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Here, Paul is talking about the family and how the family gets uh, made up. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, just as A body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Jesus. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. God's Family is like a body, we're told, with many parts. In fact, we see that every part belongs and every part is essential for the body. A body is not complete if it is all made up of the same part, is it? Say your body was all hands. That's not a complete body. We also see that a body is not complete if it's missing parts. Let's say your body has no hands. Well, then your body's not complete. The picture that we are getting here from Paul, the clue to this belonging is that 
The body should be complete, and every part matters. We need everyone to make the body whole. This is the mystery of belonging revealed here in Ephesians 3 as well. God says, I want you to be part of this body. I don't want to exclude anyone. In the past, they used to talk about it as though it was just God's chosen people, the Jewish people. They're the body. But now he's revealing a new plan. This plan involves not just the Jews, but the Gentiles as well. So it includes everybody. In order for the body to be complete, everyone needs to belong. You need to belong in order for the body to be complete. Gary already tipped into my sermon, so good job there. Belonging is a basic human need. We find that if you look at any hierarchy of needs, um, it's equal to, you know, food and clothing and shelter. We need those, right? But actually a higher need on that chart is the need for belonging, the need for feeling like I'm part Belonging is an essential emotional and spiritual, uh, for our spiritual vitality. A sense of belonging does improve our health and our happiness. Lack of belonging leads to loneliness. We were made to belong. Now, some groups um, address the issue of belonging by becoming exclusive. And so there's this mindset that says, well, if we make the group elite... If we exclude some people, then maybe that makes belonging all the more special, right? You have to really qualify to become part of this group. Some groups are formed that way. The belonging described in Ephesians is completely different than that. The belonging described in Ephesians says anyone can belong. You all can belong. And adding belongers doesn't diminish the belonging. It enhances it. This is part of that mystery of belonging. The more who are part of it, the more valuable it becomes. So keep adding people to it. Adding more people actually expands the inheritance. It doesn't diminish the inheritance. It expands the inheritance. The more people who belong, the greater the inheritance is. This is the mystery of belonging that he's describing here. Now the key to understanding this inheritance is Jesus Understanding that through faith in Jesus Christ, we are all called to become people of faith, to trust in Jesus, and that through faith in Jesus, we are brought into this relationship with God. We are made heirs. We are made a part of the family. We are made a part of the body. We belong through faith in Jesus Christ, which leads me to another mystery I want to try to unravel briefly, the mystery of God's purpose, the mystery of God's plan. The mystery revealed here is that God was not content to let the Gentiles be separate from his family. He was not content. He wasn't satisfied to stay with his chosen people. God has added a whole category of people, including all of us, so that we could belong. Why would God do that? Why didn't he just stick with his chosen family? Why did he expand it? Well, we understood earlier in Ephesians in chapter 2 that sin separated all people from God, that because of our disobedience, because of our rebellion, everyone needs forgiveness, everyone needs reconciliation, everybody should become part of the family, but we're not all born with a right to this inheritance. We're outsiders. And this breaks God's heart. 
God says, I want to forgive you. I want you to belong. I want you to become part of my family. And so he gives this gift, his very own son, to come and live and die and to rise again so that we could become God's children, so that we could belong. The fact is that all people are called to the same faith, and this is at the heart of the mystery of God's purpose, the mystery of God's plan, especially in Christ, that he sent Jesus to make a way for all people to become part of his family, and that this was a core desire of his. And we actually start to recognize that, you know, maybe we take this for granted nowadays, but in in Paul's day, they didn't take this for granted at all. No respectable Jew would have said, let's include the Gentiles. They, They don't belong. They're outsiders. They're foreigners. They're outcasts. Why would we include them? But God reveals a mystery that has been in place since the beginning of time, since the foundation of the world, since creation, that he's willing to bring near those who are far away. He's willing to adopt them. He's willing to give them an inheritance. And even more, if you read carefully through those first couple paragraphs in chapter 3, this was the way it was supposed to be from the beginning. This is the mystery that Paul's revealing to us. God desires for all people to come to him in faith, to receive forgiveness, to become his daughters and sons, to receive this inheritance. This is the mystery of God's purpose and plan. Listen to explicitly Ephesians 3, 6. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promises in Christ Jesus. This is what God wants. This is at the heart of His purpose. This is at the heart of His plan. Jesus Christ, Lord over all people, both Jew and Gentile. Jesus Christ, God's eternal plan to bring salvation. And now God has made it clear. He's fulfilled it in Jesus. He has brought Jew and Gentile together. He's brought all who come to faith in Jesus the opportunity to be forgiven. And now Paul has this mission to share this with anyone who will listen. He wants to unveil this mystery to, re- to reveal it. Here's how Paul describes his calling. Verse 7, I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. And although I am less than the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden from all people but now has been revealed. Paul's mission is to share this mystery. Now here's another place where this mystery maybe differs from the classic mystery. In the classic mystery, once the mystery is solved, the story's over. Usually the great detective will gather everybody in the same room. It's one of the formulas. And once they're all the suspects are gathered there, the detective will assemble all the clues, and then at the, final, at the very end of this, he'll point to the person who actually was guilty. And mystery solved, case closed, book's over, close the story. The unraveling of the mystery of God's purpose is actually designed not to close the story, but to start a new story. It's a fresh chapter that says, hey, now you who once were not a part of God's family, you who once did not belong 
Now you can belong. And we have a mission to go forward and share this good news with whoever will listen, to share this mystery of God's plan and purpose revealed in Christ that you too could become part of God's family. You need forgiveness, and once you've received forgiveness, you become God's children. This is our call. Now, the first three chapters of Ephesians that we've been looking at are this grand, lofty vision of God's plan, how this work of Christ gets applied to us, and what an amazing gift this is, this gift of grace. But the purpose of this grand, lofty vision is to inspire hope and to give us strength, to empower us. This, the idea of power comes up frequently throughout Ephesians of like, you're, you're now being empowered with this by the power of God's Spirit to go out and live this every day, to live this life and to share it with everyone else. It, it actually shapes our identity. As we unravel the mystery of knowing Christ, we live it out day by day and step by step in community with those around us. We figure out how the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ changes us and changes our world, and we do this together. And this is going to become even more clear as we continue through the book of Ephesians. But we who were once not a people have now become a people, a people of God. We who were once far off and alien and strangers have now become God's family and heirs to this promise. And so that shapes the way we live as a community of people. Paul, when he's kind of wrapping up this first big section, these first three chapters, it's like the light bulb kind of comes on in his own heart and he gets all excited and geeked out. So we have this beautiful doxology that was at the end of the reading I gave you. It's, a, it's a kind of another prayer and then it just flows right into Paul erupting in praise. He says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's people to grasp how wide and how long and how high And how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is his prayer for us. And then he breaks into a song of praise. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It ends with the church. It ends with the church reflecting God's love out into the community. This is the kind of reaction, I think, this last paragraph of Paul that comes when when unraveling a big mystery. When you finally figured it out, you finally get the truth of it, and you go, wow, this is true. God loves us, and God's love is limitless. This grand and glorious inheritance can be given to everyone, and so let's give it. And to him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So there's three mysteries to unravel. And as I got wrapped up in this this week, I also got wrapped up into another mystery. And it was kind of the mystery of uh, belonging. I was going to bring Moses back up here, but I think I better not because of the distraction factor for that. So let me just tell you the story. Um, So our Quincy passed away unexpectedly. he was only seven years old, but he had cancer. We, they determined he had lung cancer, and it, he went fairly quickly. And um, 
So then we grieve, and one of the ways Mary grieves is by looking for a new dog. So it didn't take more than a few days for us to be online looking, and we like to rescue dogs, but we noticed that this may be a popular activity in pandemic time. Everybody's looking for rescue dogs. By the time we could contact for the dog, they would be gone. So um, somebody told us about a breeder who had some labs and had just had a litter of 11 puppies, and so we made contact with them, and we went to see them when they were three weeks old. And man, they were adorable, and um, we were lucky to get out of there with just one. But we can't take them home yet because they're still with their mom. So we picked one, and it was the puppy with the green tail. They had color marked on each dog so they could keep track of the dog. We picked the one with the green tail. And so for the next four weeks, we went back to their website of this breeder to check on our dog because they would post videos and pictures. And as we were doing this, we are like looking in the picture to try to find the green-tailed puppy because that was our puppy. He belonged to us. And they sent us some pictures, and we got copies and put them on the fridge and put them on our screensaver. Everywhere you look, there's pictures of our puppy. He's belong. And then we got contacted uh, just last week and said, okay, you can come next week and, and pick him up. And Mary was talking to the guy on the phone, and he said, no, that's okay. We don't need to pick him up. We'll just look online. We'll watch the pictures online. We'll, we'll, we're fine. Yeah, right. You guys are all, no way. She's like, what day can we get there? right? Because there's something different about life in person over life online. And I've been really wrestling with this, and I really respect our elders and deacons, our consistory members, because they've been wrestling with this too about the value of gathering together versus the risk of gathering together. And what does it really mean to belong? And how do you shape disciples? And can you do it? We're, We're thankful for the tools we have, but is it the same thing on line as it is in person. I, I'm still unraveling this mystery, and I'm not going to admit that I've got it all figured out. But I did some other research, too. I, I, I did a bunch of searches of different people who are smarter than I, writing essays and blogs and posting ideas about what it means to belong. I got a whole big fat folder now of what it, belonging is and what belonging means. And I came across some very interesting research, actually, from 2017. So this is pre-pandemic. And one of the things they researched was the users of social media and, and how they felt about belonging. And they discovered this interesting thing. The highest users of social media also reported the highest levels of isolation. I found that fascinating. Here's an actual quote from the study. They said this, Loneliness won't be cured by isolating behaviors that connect us to screen instead of the world around us. I thought that was helpful and instructive, that loneliness really needs something in person. We need relationship. Another essay I read was written recently called Dealing with Loneliness in an Age of Social Distancing, and this is what they concluded. Loneliness is feeling disconnected from others, and it's a silent debilitator. They went on to describe about how loneliness becomes crippling, and how isolation actually builds on itself. When some of their findings were heartbreaking as they reveal the way lack of connection leads to, to more lack of connection. So this all got me thinking, because we're the kind of people who like to connect. We're the kind of people who want to belong. 
We're the kind of people who want to love and serve in person. That seems to make a difference. And I wonder, as I'm going through all this, if we can even grasp how long and how wide and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, can we really grasp that alone? And I don't know what to make of that. Continue to pray for us as we're unraveling this mystery. But I want to give you a next step to unravel the mystery that we read in Ephesians 3 today, the mystery of belonging, the mystery of God's plan and purpose, and the mystery of knowing Christ and His love. Just maybe take this next step. This afternoon, who could you connect with? Is there someone you love, someone you care about, you've been disconnected with? Can you connect with them? A neighbor, a friend, associate, however, you, however you're able, can you connect with somebody this afternoon? I think that might help us in unraveling the mystery of belonging, and that's what I hope we can learn from Ephesians chapter 3. So let's pray. Lord God, I give you thanks for this day. We give you thanks for uh, all those who have listened carefully to your word and are letting your word work in its heart. Thank you for your Holy Spirit who shapes and molds us. And uh, we pray that you'll continue the good work that you've started until one day it is completed. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray you were blessed by today's message from Cedar Hills Community Church. For more information about our church or how to support our ministry, visit www.cedarhillscr.org.